thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Great. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, it's 2021. Obviously, uh, excited that 2020 is over. We can move on to 2021. And Loyola started off the year with a bonus game, which is why we're doing a bonus show. This game was announced on New Year's Eve, uh, December 31st. Loyola facing North Texas at Gentile Arena. Uh, so, obviously, good chance to have a non-conference game after the Bradley series got postponed if you missed that. COVID issues with the Bradley Braves program force the postponement of that series. So good on Porter Moser to get another game in here, especially the caliber of North Texas, which is a solid Conference USA team. And the Ramblers came out on top 57-49 in a game that I'm attributing to the defense. This was a defensive victory. If you are a hockey fan, you know there are goalie victories. This game is a defense victory. And I think Loyola rode that defense all the way. To give you an idea of how well these teams defended. The over-under for this game in Vegas, was it closed at 132 points. The score was 22-19 to 19 at halftime. <laughs> they kind of missed the mark on that one. Obviously, it tightened up down the stretch. The under still hit, of course, because it was a defensive game. But final score again, 57-49. If you have any comments you want to add, feel free to add them here. I'll read them in a little bit. I'll talk a little bit about the game, just do a quick recap, and then we'll get into your questions I uh, have to talk about Ahir Ugwak. Holy cow, where where was that? That was awesome. And, I mean, he had a career high, 26 points, 7 rebounds, on 8 of 12 shooting, and 2 of 3 shooting from 3-point territory. I love that he's developing a 3-point shot. I tweeted this earlier in the game. It was after, I think it was after his first 3, when I tweeted that if he finds consistency from downtown, this Loyola team gets that much more dangerous. And you saw that tonight. He went two for three from downtown, played with confidence, 26 points to lead the way, followed by Cameron Crutway with another solid performance, 12 points, six boards. But the story of the game is obviously Ahir Ugwak, and that alley-oop that he had from Marquise Kennedy in the second half, and he, I don't even know how to put it into words how awesome that was. And if you get the chance, the Loyola Basketball Twitter tweeted it out, the highlight of it. Listen to Nick Denardi's call of it. He was on the call with Jordan Burnfield when he just says, wow, that's exactly what I said. Now, I'm up here. I have a detached garage at my house. It's where I, it's, it's where I do my shows from. And I'm up here by myself, and I just go, wow, like inject that into my veins. That's a, that was word for word what I tweeted about it. It was awesome. Love seeing that out of it here. And that's big going forward into Valley Play. Because Valley play, especially this year with the back-to-backs. I talked about this. I did a live show after the first round of Valley games last week. The back-to-back games are going to be a grind. So, 
What needs to happen is other guys need to step up on any given night. And I hear prove tonight he's going to be one of those guys who's going to step up this year. And I think this performance is great. And it's not like he did this against St. Francis or Lewis or any of those other – Chicago State. He did this against North Texas, which is a good Conference USA program. Did they win the league last year? They came close to winning the league last year. Either way, Ken Palm has them as 113. Loyola's 45, to give you an idea where Ken Palm had these teams coming into the day. This is not a bad team. So good night for a year to kind of have a coming out party of sorts for this year. And speaking of the Mean Green, we kind of had an old friend alert. If you're a Loyola fan from the past few years, you might remember the name Javion Hamlet. Well, Javion Hamlet was a highly touted JUCO recruit in the offseason of 2019. So this is after the 2018-19 season, first offseason following the Final Four. So you had the Final Four offseason in 2018. This is the offseason after, one year later. And Javion Hamlet was a name that was all over social media. He visited campus. I remember the hype when he visited campus. I remember this was right as I took over for sports editor of the Loyola Phoenix. We were doing a podcast about the potential of Javion Hamlet joining the Ramblers. And he ended up choosing North Texas. Loyola got Keith Clemens and Jalen Pipkins. So old friend alert of sorts tonight. Facing Javion Hamlet at Gentile Arena. He had two points at halftime and finished with 14 on 5 of 17 shooting. Ouch. But that was just another interesting storyline tonight. And that was a name that I kind of kind of forgot about just because he didn't end up coming to Loyola. And he ended up being Conference USA Player of the Year last year. Preseason All-Conference this year. And I want to say he was even Conference USA Male Athlete of the Year last year. So, I mean, he's ultra-talented. The fact that they shut him down to two points at half was a good sign. Again, he finished with 14 to lead the Mean Green. Um, also, again, if anyone has any comments, feel free. Comment throughout this. I'll, I'll read any and all, I promise. Now, I could talk about the numbers all day, and you guys know I can talk about the numbers all day. But you've got to look beyond the box score in this game. When games are like this, these defensive battles, these grind them out victories, you've got to look beyond the box score. And I thought Marquise Kennedy and Lucas Williamson contributed more beyond the stats. And you watch the hustle plays. I know I was talking with a few people on Twitter about how you got to look beyond the stats, especially tonight. It was uh, Paul Paul Check, I think. Paul, that's how you pronounce your last name. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. But he responded talking about the hustle plays. And he was exactly right. You've got to look beyond the numbers tonight. Because if I was to read you just numbers, Lucas Williamson had four points, all of them coming from the free throw line, which does my heart good. He went four for four from the th- from the free throw line. That's that's so nice. 0 for four from the field, 0 for one from three point. Marquise Kennedy, two points, one of five shooting, 0 for one from three, with five rebounds and three assists and three fouls. If I was just to read you those numbers, you would think they had really bad games all around. You can't just look at the numbers in a game like this, though, because they both came up with big steals. And I want to say Marquise had four. Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah, four steals, and Lucas Williamson had three. And you watch how they made those plays. Lucas, at one point, I don't know which player it was, he went for a Euro step on North Texas. And if you're a Bulls fan, you hear Stacey King say, taking cookies. That's what Lucas did. He kind of, he ripped the ball from him and went down and tried a Euro step of his own. It, it ended up missing, but it was still, you can't teach that. That is textbook defense by Lucas. And Marquis scrambling for the ball. That was great to see. And Cooper Kafis, obviously Coop had six points, two of three shooting. 
Uh, both his made field goals came from three-point land. But he had a play where the refs called a kick ball. And it, it wasn't a kick ball. And they called it that. And you watch the replay. He was diving for it. He fought for the ball. The shot clock expired. And he got possession. That was a great play from Cooper Kafis. One comment I did see that my, my guy Steve Timble and Steve noticed I changed the angle here. You can't see the games above me, so we're not playing Operation today. But I do want to get to a comment I had in my Twitter DMs. This is from D Sailor Twenty, and he asked what I'm. It was a legitimate question. What does Porter see in Tate Hall? Common question, my Rambler friend group. We don't see anything but a strong body who should come off the bench. Well, my response to that goes back to last year. Tate, last year, we didn't know much about him when he got to Loyola. I mean, we knew he was this D2 transfer from Indy. We knew that he's going to be a solid piece. I didn't actually expect him to start last year, but Porter started him right away. And I want to pull up his stats because this is why I think he's kind of just in a funk. And of course, right now, with the caliber of the team that Loyola has this year, it's not the best time to be in a funk. But looking at Tate's numbers, now this is last year. His three-point percentage was 42.6. That was second on the team behind Keith Clements. So he was second on the team in three-point percentage last year. Now, this is the same Loyola team that didn't have Cooper Kafis. It did not have Coop out there. And Ahir obviously wasn't as confident from three-point land. But with, and they didn't have Braden Norris either. I mean, Braden Norris is another three-point weapon. So there's two right there. So you've got to take that into context. But I think that's why Porter trusts Tate. You saw it last year. I mean, he, w- he was third-team All-Valley for a reason. And I think this year he's just he's in a funk. I mean, there's no real other way to put it. And I mean, entering tonight, as I pull up the stats from this year, I mean, again, it's a legitimate question to ask about Tate Hall and his performance. He's averaging 9.2 points per game coming into the coming into the night's game, 29.7% from beyond the arc. So yeah, a drop-off in numbers there. But again, given that we saw this last year, I really think that he can break out of it. Nick Denardi made a great point on the broadcast today, which you, if you haven't listened to Nick do a broadcast, by the way, he and Jordan Burnfield did a great job tonight. Nick, he's a great color announcer. And he, he made a good point that Tate needs to, he needs to keep shooting. He'll break out of it. I mean, shoot or shoot. That's the saying that Nick used. That's the saying that I was saying in my head. Shoot or shoot. I mean, he's 11 for 37 this year. Looking back at last year, he went 58 for 136. So it can, he can balance himself out. And I mean, in the Valley play is where it matters. If he does well in Valley play, that's what matters. Because when all said and done, let's say... We get through this crazy season, this unprecedented season, and everything goes as planned. March Madness happens as planned, and it gets down to the selection committee. Loyola's not getting an at-large bid. I think it's safe to say that because they all they see are two losses to Wisconsin and Richmond. I'm not saying I agree with it, but that's what the committee's going to see. Loyola's not going to get the at-large bid. So the way the Ramblers can make March Madness is by winning Arch Madness. So if Tate comes through these next, let's see, they're two games into Valley play. Let's say they play all 18. These next 16 games in conference play and leads Loyola to a conference championship and leads them to an Arch Madness championship. This is just going to be a dry spell. It's going to be a funk. That happens. It's, it's the nature of college basketball. So I'm not ready to 
overreact about Tate. And I'm, I don't want to say that's an overreaction because that is a legitimate question to ask what Porter sees in Tate. So that is that is legitimate. But it, I don't want to overreact and say bench him. He needs to, he shouldn't even be six man. No. Maybe bench him for a game or two. Let him see the game unfold first. I'm a big proponent of that. Let, bringing someone in off the bench and seeing how the game unfolds before seeing how everything works. We saw Marquise Kennedy last year is a great example. He was in the starting lineup, kind of streaky, which was to be expected from a freshman. Porter moved him to the bench, and he became sixth man of the year. Same thing, Andre Jackson. Starting games, he wasn't as effective as he was coming off the bench. So let's give it a little more time before we start talking about where Tate fits in here, because I, I really think he's just in a funk. That's just the best word to describe it. Shout out to Nick Pateros on Twitter saying quality hoodie. Yes, it's Packer week, so I'm wearing my Bears hoodie. My brother gave me this for Christmas, and it might be, I think it's my new favorite hoodie. I, I, it's plain and simple. So it, it's Packer week. All bets are off. I am, I'm going to be wearing this for the radio tomorrow, probably wearing it to work tomorrow. Yeah, it, Packer week I take seriously around here. I did have a comment up here from my guy Skyway Chicago. Can Ahir remain this confident and competent? Uh, I think definitely. I think this was a huge step for Ahir Ugwak tonight. He's, he's been one of those on offense. I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word liability because he had, he's had some solid games on offense. His defense has been what he's been known for the last few years. Seeing him put together a game like this against a team like North Texas. And like I said, this, I know Conference USA, this is a, this is a solid mid-major program that Loyola went up against tonight. This was a good scheduling get for Porter Moser. This was not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. For here to come out like that, 26 points, 8 of 12 shooting, 2 for 3 from beyond 3-point land, by the way. And 8 of 11 free throws. He made his free throws too. That's so great. Seeing this tonight is... How do I... I don't want to say amazing because that's an understatement, but that's... It's what Loyola needed. It's reassurance that, okay... That's in there. A game like a game like that is in there. And I know you'll hear Porter Moser say it all the time. Any guy on any given night can show up. And you, uh, that's what he's going to point to tonight. Because Ahir is another guy you can count on if other guys aren't performing. I mean, Ahir and Cameron Crutwick were the only two guys in double digits tonight. They were the only two guys in double figures. But a game like that, 26 points, that's the difference in a defensive battle like this. So it is very reassuring to see that kind of scoring outburst from Ahir Ugwak, who I've regarded defensively. I've answered questions on Twitter about what Porter sees in Ugwak, and I say he's a good defender. Now you're seeing it on offense. If he can do it on both sides of the ball consistently, he's going to be an even bigger piece for this team going forward. So, yes, I think he can. If he plays with this much confidence tonight, that was as confident as I've seen Ahir Ugwak on the basketball court. And I'm not saying he wasn't before. But I'm saying we saw a different level of swagger, a different level of confidence from a here. And that, that dunk, that alley-oop from Marquise, that's where it told you. He's playing, he, that's, a, that's swagger out there. So that, I think that's going to be infectious. I think that's going to be huge going forward. One more note, going back to my Tate Hall point for a second. I didn't read his stats from tonight. 2 of 11 shooting, 0 of 7 from three-point territory. Again, I think he'll break out of it. Might be no, just 
be patient. Be patient. What's good is that Loyola's 2-0 in Valley play. There's a little cushion there. So I think let Tate keep shooting. I saw another comment from Skyway Chicago before I get to my guy Jonah. Your thoughts on Lucas and consistency? You see, the, the nature of Lucas Williamson's game, he can give you a good night offensively. I mean, he you've seen it. I mean, even last year, he was up there on the three-point shooting. He was up there offensively across the stats. But the nature of Lucas's game is defense. I mean, he's your be- he's I still say best defender in the league. Best defender in the Missouri Valley is Lucas Williamson. So I think cons- offensive consistency, it's the it's the any given night thing. It was a here's night tonight. So a here's gonna see the ball more. If Lucas rides a hot hand, if he finds it from if he finds it from downtown, and if it's Lucas's night, he'll get the ball more. So I think the question of consistency. You're going to get that defense game in, game out. I don't say it lightly when I say he's the best defender in the league. In the Missouri Valley, a good defensive league, Lucas Williamson is the best defender. And that's no question in my book. So you're going to get the consistency there. Offensively, I'm not really worried about it. One comment from the Bishop Emeritus of Blur. Shout out to Jonah Blatt. Has the time come to be cautiously optimistic about the free throw shooting? I hope so. 13 for 17 tonight was fantastic. I love that I don't have to tweet my notebook anymore about Loyola games. I got, I got to use it for the Illini game tonight. Shout out to my guy Joe Today from NBC Sports Chicago for tweeting that out. But yeah, I'm optimistic about the free throw shooting. And I hope this continues because that's what... It was the Achilles heel last year is how Porter Moser put it, and that was the perfect analogy for it. It's what did them in at Arch Madness was their inability to shoot free throws. If they can find that consistency now, which I think they're starting to make strides toward, I'm going to be very, very happy, and you won't see me complaining about free throws on Twitter, at least for a while. Uh, another comment here. This might be a here's breakout moment. I agree. I this We've been waiting for this. We've had... The discussions about the Ahir Ugwa coming out party. And I, I really think that was it tonight. This was a huge leap. And he hasn't, it's not like he's been bad offensively all year. Coming into today's game, Ahir's averaging 7.7 points per game on 61.9% shooting from the field. So he's been there offensively. Tonight we just saw another level of a hero walk and I, I hope this continues going forward. I liked what I saw. I know Rambler Twitter liked what it saw. It going forward, that'd be huge in the valley play. Comment here from at Lava265. We are way too deep to let Tate keep playing these minutes. Again, it goes back to he's gonna break out of it. You saw I'm gonna I'll read you the numbers. I know I keep saying go beyond the numbers. The numbers from last year 42.6% from downtown last year. It's 58 for 136. That's second on the team last year to Keith Clemens. And Keith missed eight games. So, yes, I, I really pumped the brakes a little bit, guys. Not ready to overreact yet. I'm not ready to say give Tate less minutes. No, I'm, I'm not ready to say that. He's in a funk. It happens. It's, it's college basketball. You're going to have your ups. You're going to have your downs, right? He's just, he's, he's down right now. He's got time. If 
this was, let's see, today's January 2nd. Let's say this is February 16th. I'm throwing a date out there. If this is February 16th and this is keeping up, then we have the serious conversation of should Porter scale back his minutes? Should he be starting? We're not there yet. We're through a crazy non-conference, an unprecedented non-conference. We're going into an unprecedented conference schedule. During a pandemic, there's a lot going on. He's just in a funk. I'll be very curious to see if Porter addresses it in the postgame press conference. I'll be watching tweets from Abby Schnabel at the Loyola Phoenix. She's covering tonight. I'll see if he says anything, and I'll put it out on my Twitter page. But I will sit here right now. My opinion from 70 miles south of Chicago on my couch in Dwight, Illinois, is that Tate Hall is just in a funk. He'll break out of it. Nick did already said it on the broadcast. Shooters shoot. He's gonna he'll find it. It's there. If he didn't if this if he didn't light it up last year, if he didn't make all conference last year, I'd be with you. But last year, I don't think last year is a fluke. You saw it at Indy. It's in there. He's just he's in a rough patch right now. Pump the brakes. He's a D2 player. Okay, the thing with Tate. Tate signed D2 and then grew. And now he's a D1 talent. He was all conference in the league last year. I really think he's just in a funk. We're chilling. Like, again, if this was a month, month and a half from now, I'd react completely differently. But as we sit here now, January 2nd, 2021, feels so nice to not say 2020 anymore, at 8.46 p.m., I think he's in a funk and he'll break out of it. May, again, maybe it goes back to coming off the bench, seeing the game unfold, and then go in. Same thing happened, and I see Matt just tweeted that. Kennedy needs more minutes. Yeah, Matthew, I agree with you. Kennedy needs more minutes, and that's one way to maybe offset it, maybe give Marquise a little more time. There are ways to go about this. Tate's in a funk. I think, I, I think, I think he's good. Do you think Pax transfers? Regarding Paxton Wojcik, I'll be honest, don't know if I want to speculate on that. I'm not in tune with the team like I was last year. I don't know if I want to go there yet. He didn't play tonight. He's he's put in, when he gets in, he puts in some good minutes. So I, I really don't know from where I sit here now. If, if I was with the team every day like I was the last four years, I'd probably have a better answer for you on that. But I don't know if I want to speculate just yet. And again, it's only... It's only, I hate to use the John Rothstein term, but this is only January. It's only January. We got a little, it's early January yet. Like in my mind, it's still December. Conference plays just started. Let's see how things play out. Yeah, Pax didn't play tonight, but I really, seeing him last year from what I saw last year, he's one of those, whatever will help the team. And he's a coach's kid too. So I'm not too worried about it, but it's definitely just something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. 16 Valley games left, assuming they can get them all in. Again, the reason this game was played tonight is because the Bradley series got postponed because of COVID issues at Bradley. That's why we got the bonus show tonight, which thank you all for joining me. I'm going a little little longer than I think I usually do. I usually try to be around 20 minutes to a half hour, so this is great. But yeah, the Bradley series got postponed. I was really looking forward to that too. I mean, now that Northern, now that A.J. Green is out for Northern Iowa, it's safe to say... Loyola is the top team in the league. They're a team to beat. And the fact that they, they beat North Texas tonight, 57-49, I, yeah, Loyola's top team in the league. 
So I was really looking forward to the Bradley series because Bradley's my number two team. Yeah, I'm really sad that got postponed. Hope everybody's well at Bradley, by the way. I haven't heard anything else from Bradley, but I hope everyone's doing all right down in Peoria. But going forward, I'm I'm talking in my perfect world, my pie-in-the-sky world, that we're going to get all these games in. And I, I'm sorry for stuttering there. I had to block whoever was commenting on here. The joys of doing this over Periscope. Where was I going? The conference schedule I'm planning as if it'll play all 18. If they play all 18, this is going to be all... This, it, we're two games in, essentially. This game was a bonus. I'm calling it a bonus game. This was a bonus. And we saw some good things tonight. Now, going forward... Loyola is scheduled to play Drake next weekend in a series, and I'm hoping that series goes on because the Drake series is going to be good too because Drake's still undefeated. I'm still on the ranked Drake train. I'm going to die on this hill. I'm with Dick Vitale. I'm saying ranked Drake. It's going to be a fun series next weekend, and it's in Des Moines. So back-to-back games in Des Moines for Loyola and Drake. This is where you're going to need guys like Ahir Uwa, guys like Tom Welch, who... I still think Tom Welch has taken a huge leap forward this year. You need guys like Marquise Kennedy and Cooper Kafis. Your role guys need to step up because the back-to-backs are going to be tough. They're going to be a grind. I talked about this last week. The back-to-back games are going to be tough. But this is where you get these guys like the games like here. 26 points tonight with 7 rebounds. That's a good sign. And don't talk about my cheap mic. Come on, I'm a guy on a budget. I just graduated. I'm still looking for a job. This is the best I can do. Give me a break. Come on. It does the job. It could be worse. I could be doing this with wired headphones into my phone. I mean, I'm doing the best I can with what I got to work with here. Like, come on. You can say what you want about me. Leave my microphone out of this, okay? This this thing's doing. This, this thing's working like a charm. All right. And hope Pax, Tom, Tate, and Frank can find their roles and contribute to the team's success. Yeah, I mean, they're good players. I said, I stand by this. Porter's best recruiting class. Marquise Kennedy, Paxton Wojcik, Tom Welch. Best recruiting class Porter's had. Hands down. I'll hear other arguments. I'll tell you reasons why I think you're wrong. But I think that's Porter's best recruiting class for a reason. Paxton's talented. Tom is talented. You've seen what Marquise can do. Paxson is going to settle in to a role. I'm, I can guarantee it. They'll settle in fine. I'm not sure what role Frank Agunani is going to play when he comes back. I don't know when he will come back, by the way. He had knee surgery. Not sure a timeline on that. And thank you for the compliment about the mic. There's a possibility that class gets dethroned by 2021, though, from Jonah Blatt. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That's what, but do we know? Someone help me out here. Is it, ben, is it Ben Schweiger? Ben Schweiger? I don't quite know how to pronounce his name. But you got him. You got Ty Johnson. You've got these grad transfer commits, which is another one. Is it Schweiger? Schweiger? And you had uh, there was one more earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, this is a solid recruiting class right now because it's an older recruiting class because of the graduate transfers. But no, I'm... Until... Until I see more of this recruiting class, see how it shapes out. Paxton Wojcik, Tom Welch, Marquise Kennedy. Best recruiting class Porter's had. 
I mean, that's it's, there's nothing else really to say. But they'll settle in. Lucien Marquise, Tom Welch. I, I really think Tom's taking a huge leap this year. That small ball lineup. If if Jacob Hudson earns more minutes and can play the five, and Tom's a, a stretch four, which is what he should be, it's gonna be exciting. How many guys stay an extra year? Tough to say right now. Again, it goes back the same point I made with Tate Hall. It's only January 2nd. A lot of season left. There's a lot of season left. There's a lot of things that can happen. A lot of things that could not happen. There's a lot to see. So I'm not ready to say yet. And also, I, I do these. I'm not in. I'm not with the team every day. I, I haven't talked. I haven't had an interview with Porter Moser since March or April. I think it was April the last time I had an interview with Porter Moser. So I'm not as I'm not as in the trenches as I was. But I I don't know if I want to go into that yet. We'll get back. Let, let's talk in a month, month and a half. Once things start picking up and rolling along, then we might talk about that. Right now, that's uh, that's dicey. And there's still a lot of unknowns with that. So, as I said, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you again for sticking with me tonight. This is a lot of fun doing these. I love I love doing these after Loyola games. I'm doing them after Valley games now, which is fun because I can talk about the league I've grown up watching. Loyola Drake coming up next week as of right now, barring any COVID setbacks. But the Bradley series is off for now, postponed to a date to be determined. We'll wait and see. Until then, thank you again for watching. And... Thanks to the guy who told me my microphone made me look not serious, by the way. I love my microphone, and it's going to come with me wherever I end up. So just saying. And if you listen to the podcast of this, the podcast is done through this microphone. That's why it's here. So listen to the podcast version of the show on the Sunday Sports Shootout podcast from WLUW. That'll be on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're still with me, tune in tomorrow at 11 a.m. on WLUW Radio. I'll be talking Loyola basketball, Missouri Valley basketball, and also previewing Packer Week. Bears-Packers coming up this week. 11 to noon tomorrow on WLUW 88.7. Hope to see you then. Until then, I will see you Monday night for Missouri Valley Live right here on my Twitter page. Thank you again for watching. Have a great rest of your night.